0: you guys for tuning in this is episode 21 of coaching connections today i had the chance to sit and talk to coach bill Avey and coach ryan Pertel. now both of these guys are, are two guys i call friends um, they're phenomenal people outstanding human beings they uh they had great careers and they have now moved into the world of administration and they're doing wonderful things for the schools that they work at um, we talked about their journeys throughout the, their time as coaches we talked about their love for the game of basketball we discussed their love for empowering the youth in the schools that they work at, and which is what makes them great at their job. And so, this episode was very beneficial for all that uh, that take the time to listen to it. I hope you find it as useful as I did. These guys are just outstanding human beings. Again, um, thank you for your time. This is episode 21, Coaching Connections. Coach Ryan Pertell, Coach Bill Levy. Let's get after it. What's up, Marcus? No, coach.
1: How are you, buddy?
0: Oh, I'm great, coach. I can I cannot complain a bit.
1: Got the, got the, got the full beard going now. right? It's actually only a couple of weeks. It
0: grows back so fast.
1: I know you. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you sometimes, and you have like a little shadow, and sometimes it's longer, and sometimes you're clean.
0: Summertime, summertime is when I don't don't like to shave too often.
1: Yeah, it just gets <laughs> so stinking hot, you know.
0: Yeah, but I mean. Especially with everything going on, I just stay indoors most of the time. <laughs> yeah,
1: I she my son has an autoimmune uh, deficiency, so I don't go anywhere, man. You play I'm just
0: got to play smart.
1: You know he he just can't fight off stuff like that. So
0: yeah, and it seems like things are getting kind of worse out there. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but um, yeah. as far as the situation out there. But
1: I uh. Man, I've been doing virtual teacher interviews for two days, and woo! All through Zoom or Zoom or Google College? Google Meets, mm-hmm. Google Meets. But man, I'm We're like starting. I'm like brain dead. Man, I'm just like <laughs> asking the same questions over and over. Yeah. Uh,
0: we uh, we start. I think uh, August 5th will be the first day of school for the kids. That's what was proposed and passed. So we'll see, unless things change.
1: So far, we haven't announced that we're starting that early. We're, you know, we're still planning on starting. I think you know normal time. Um, but I'm, I think that'll change, and then it's really going to be up to the directions of the the CDC and and you know, um, I don't know about y'all, but like our one of our biggest challenges is that. 90% of the kids with IST ride the school bus. Yeah.
0: So,
1: you know, and we never have enough – we never have enough drivers, so how do you social distance on a school bus? How do you make sure kids are all wearing their masks, you know?
0: Um, oh, this is so strong.
1: Are they going to be screened before they get on the school bus? Are they going to be screened when they get to school and then have to call parents to come get them if they have a temperature? Um, it's just there's a lot of little logistical things that sometimes you know not everybody thinks about um,
0: uncharted waters and unprecedented times and, and there's no playbook for this right I mean there's
1: yeah I nothing. mean there's no precedent for it at all and um, so I don't know it's it's just weird times buddy just weird times so what's team gonna look like next year pretty good.
0: Yeah, we got. I mean, if
1: you get to play, <laughs> you
0: yeah. know. I was just talking about that with uh, the coach at Harlan. <laughs> yeah, if if they allow us to have a season, um, I'm texting Pratari now. Um, if they allow us to have a season, we have. I mean, everybody, just about everybody, coming back. You know, um, you know, our 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 three top scores are coming back. Um, Fantastic, experience.
1: Yeah. No. Well, you do a great you do a great job with 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 your kids. So whatever you have, I know you're gonna get the most out of them. So Absolutely.
0: I appreciate it. And, and so we got some talent coming back, and I'm excited. You no, know, just hoping we can. Uh, yeah, play. You know, hoping we we can have a season, even if there's no nobody in the stands and no fans. Yeah. You know, just as long as it's safe for the kids. You know. I mean,
1: the UI the, the UIL is very optimistic. Yeah, a lot of the pro sport a lot of the sports that have started back, they're already having issues because i thought for sure golf would be like the safest you know to start playing and now we've got people testing positive i don't know if they canceled the tournament this week or not they're supposed to be a press conference at two i didn't see it um you know and i'm a golf nut so that's a big deal to me i i mean I, i i watch golf even when there's all kinds of sports to watch. Yeah,
0: yeah. My dad now, was,
1: obviously was not much to watch. I'm going to watch golf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's been trying. My dad's been trying to get me to golf for the longest. Uh, I said, Dad, as long as I can shoot a jump shot, I'm going to go shoot a couple jump shots. And
1: yeah, hopefully your body will hold up better than mine has over the over the years. My <laughs> I don't have my knees and ankles are pretty well shot. So yeah, uh, playing basketball is has been. Uh, Long time, I haven't been able to play basketball. There he is,
0: the legend himself. Look at that.
1: Ten years, what was it? It was Ryan J. Pertel, Esquire, former head golf coach, Southwest High School.
2: Was that it? Was that it is my uh, if I ever attend the court uh, in Britain. And I appear before the queen, that's how I'll be introduced. Oh <laughs> I I will be there as a character witness. That's my that's my formal, you know, if I have to meet before the king or queen and they announce you you've got those guys with the big hats, you know, and they Yeah get everybody's attention, that's <laughs> how I'll be introduced. Doesn't matter what happens in my life, honestly, beyond that. That's that's it. Clearly, maybe, clearly, I'm with you on that coach.
0: I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on. <laughs> While you were saying all that.
2: <laughs> so the bit is, the bit is Marcus, that I would do is when Bill and I were working together those three years, the last two years, my good friend Matt Elliott said, would you please be the head golf coach <laughs> in addition to be the head basketball coach? And so I thought it would be funny that whenever the phone rang on my desk in the office and I knew who it was that I would answer it, Ryan J. Fertel Esquire, head golf coach, Southwest High School. Yeah. <laughs> For two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. Then all we had to do is add the word former, and now it just keeps yeah. going. It just it, – it, it stuck, man. Yes. <laughs> I'm going yes. to have change the name in my phone. That's it, yeah. I was the worst golf coach in 6A sports. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know about that, Coach.
2: Well, that's debatable. I'll be honest with you. I went through a few tournaments and started – after I saw a couple, I was like, eh, I'm not that bad." But, but no, uh, yeah, we're no, no, right. There, there may be some other contenders out there.
0: <laughs> They're probably still coaching
2: golf too. Well, yes, they probably still are. You're right.
0: Well, well, guys, I appreciate y'all taking time out of your day. I know it's uh, you guys are pretty busy. I know, like you said, uh, Coach Bertel had, had a lot of work today. Coach Avey, you know, a lot of interviews over the internet, and so the fact that you guys took some time out to hang out and talk about sports and in life, I, I do appreciate
1: it. It's truly my pleasure.
0: So for those that don't know, we have, uh, I'm going to say your regular name, we have Coach Ryan Pertell here on the bottom and Coach Bill Avey. Uh, although his screen says Wavy.
1: I'm wavy, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm going to call you Wavy, Coach.
1: <laughs> People call me that all the time.
0: So you guys doing all right?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Good. You know, uh, usually I ask about, lockdown how's that been you know but lockdown's been been uh lifted a while back and we've kind of been working a little bit so uh just maybe tell me about how life's a little different for you now that with everything going on with this state of the world and covid
1: um you want to go first ryan or you want me to go ahead buddy okay well you know at first we were in phase three and basically nobody was going to campus i mean like you had to have permission from the principal to even go to campus. And so we had a couple of things that we did. You know, we went for a couple of days to issue technology to students because they were gonna be, you know, doing it at home. And then a few weeks later, we went in for senior cap and gown curbside issue. Um, and then, you know, in June, until the spike came back, um, we had a modified schedule, you know. Uh, the APs, we, we had a schedule, but we were in all day, every day. Um, and then our office staff was coming in and man, the spike came up and, and now it's, uh, basically if you can do it from home, do it from home. Um, and it's just, it it's, it starts hitting you when, you know, you have four custodians in a week that had positive tests, you know? Um, and it just starts hitting you, uh, how real, um, this thing truly is. And, and sometimes, you know, you, even when you watch the TV a little bit and you just go, oh, maybe it's not quite what it was. It's just kind of struck um, home um, a lot of reality. And I think it's made a lot of people uh, sit back and and um, check their priorities a little bit, you know. Um, I know I'm. I, I've always been a family man, don't get me wrong, but, man, that time with my family is even more important now. You know,
2: Um, you know, family-wise, it's been weird, you know, to have a, a house full of, of kids. Uh, you know, Marcus, you and Bill both have wife and kids at home and and know that, you know, watching them kind of adjust to, you know, like Bill referenced, the up and down of all of this. And, you know, uh, it's been interesting and trying to be a good, husband and a good father in the midst of all of that. And then uh, to set as a, a campus principal and try to work on some formulation of some idea um, of what the, the 2021 school district is a school year, excuse me, is going to look like, Um, man, you talking about, it's not just shooting at a moving target. You feel like you're shooting at a moving target and you're blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, working on the things you can work on and, and learning to accept the ones that you can't and uh, it's been interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just like, I mean, for me, one of my side duties this year was, was textbooks. Well, you know, the school was shut down for four months. Normally the way that happens is you have students help. And then, when I finally was able to go back to work, I scanned sixty six hundred books in two days. Yep. You know, I mean, so just, it's just little things like that that have just went, you know, kind of out of whack. And and you know, we just do what we have to do to get to get the job done. Um, but as far as the principal goes, principal thing goes, I know as an AP, that moving target with the blindfold is very true. I can't even imagine what principals and senior leadership and districts are going through. I mean, it's just. Um, you have to have multiple plans for you know when you're going to start back how you're going to start back how you're going to execute it um, and it's really uh, reshaped uh, I think the thinking of how leadership on an educational level really works you know for sure
0: like, like we said earlier uh, bill um, no there's no playbook for this there's no presidents there's no uh, nothing in past history tells us what to do next and how to how to move forward in a situation like this. but just kind of trying to figure it out as we go along. So, so we appreciate you guys and seeing the leadership uh, figuring out for us.
2: Hey, don't brag on us until you see what we come up with, man. That's all I tell you. (laughs) We're doing the best we can. That's all I can. Across the the country, uh, school leaders are doing the best they can.
1: Yeah. My my brother is, is, is a administrator in, in Western Maryland and, they're going through the same things, you know. They, there's not as many. They don't have the population that we have, so they don't have the amount of cases that we have, like in in Bear County. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they're still going through the same things.
0: Yep. Speaking on that, like, what what is your guys' thoughts on the, you know, the the spike in numbers and you know, like you said, it's 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 very real and it's starting to become more real for more people. I, I had a good friend of mine that that was just hospitalized and he got out and he's feeling a little better, but to kind of see someone you know pretty close go through it. You know, it does uh, make life in, in these times uh, – it makes you realize it is, it is real and it's not just something you see on the news.
2: i try not to speak for scientists. I think we've got too many people who've decided in the midst of this crisis that they are armchair scientists.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I do think, though, in general, um, Bear County was kind of like a statistical outlier for a long time. Like you could see what was going on around our state. Um, and so it's really probably not super surprising that eventually it happened. I mean, you put one, a million and a half people together with a respiratory disease spread the way it spreads. It's probably more, it was probably always a matter of, of when and not if. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but hopefully, hopefully people are seeing the numbers the, and taking it. The two things, things that we
1: know God, we need them to. are effective and, in- in, uh, preventing the spread or wearing masks and social distancing. Um, and I see that's hit and miss, you know, the the little bit that I'm actually out and about. Um, but I would encourage, you know, we need to continue with those things. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't envy politicians right now because Uh -uh. I mean, the economy is the economy, man, you know, and they got to, they got to consider trying to keep the economy on track, when to allow, you know, things to go back to normal. And it's very easy for people to sit and say that in Texas, we initiated, you know, um, things a little early, but you know, man, that's, that's a tough call. So, um, and I'm with Ryan, as far as the scientific stuff goes anymore, I, man, there's so many different things you hear. It's hard. It's hard to sort it all out. I just know, It's everything I'm hearing, wearing a mask, social distancing, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Yep. Which is wise. And I think uh, as coaches or former coaches, um, we get an appreciation for, you know, people telling us how to do our job better than than we can in situations. And so I'm not going to try to act like a a doctor or a scientist or a a politician for that matter. Those guys have their own jobs and they know more about it than I do. And um, so I'm going to let them do what they do. And – And I saw this meme. It was pretty funny on on social media. It was like the hierarchy of education. And it said like, uh, you know, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school diploma, um, you know, uh, bachelor's degree, master's degree, doctor's. And at the very top of the pyramid, it said a social media degree or something like that. Yeah, that's it. It was pretty funny. Pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your childhood. You know, any influences in your life? Uh, where'd you grow up? Um, what kind of sent you down this path towards education and, and coaching?
2: Go ahead, Bill.
1: Um, I, I grew up in Western Maryland, um, and my first and still my hero is my father. I I I I always thought I've always felt like I've had a great work ethic, and I got that from him, as well as just love of people. Um, as as far as I knew from the age from the fourth grade I wanted to be a basketball coach um when I was in the aid um ironically I mean we we had this big field day and there was a bunch of my classmates who were girls and they wanted to put a team into the little basketball tournament they were doing with field day which was you know this is like 1975 right um that was very unheard of. And guess who their coach was? Me. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's how I got started coaching girls. It was kind of weird when I think back. Um, we actually finished third in that tournament. I was pretty proud of them. Um, and then from there, you know, the Air Force called, and I, I, decided, I thought I was going to go in for four years and come out and do what I always knew I wanted to do, and that was coach and teach. And uh, 21 years later, I retired. Um, I loved it. And then I had the opportunity to uh, teach and coach um, at Southwest High School. And even before that, you talk about the luckiest guy who's ever lived. Um, How many people have you ever known who were active duty military and a head basketball coach at a high school? That's the break I got in the late 90s with Incarnate Word High School. Um, I was, you know, I was the head coach there. While I was still on active duty, military, and and quite frankly, the success I had there was what got me the job at at Southwest. Um, I'm just a very lucky and blessed man.
2: Um, so I'm born and raised Texas, Marcus. Um, the um, now not you know not San Antonio. San Antonio has become my adopted home, but live mostly in North Texas. Uh, the Metroplex area, um, as far as you know influence that would shape my career uh, my mom was my dad wasn't educated my mom was but really her career as a teacher really never was the thing that connected me um, what really connected me um, to wanting to go down that path the only reason why, the reason why I'm sitting here right now as a high school principal, the initial motivation was one hundred percent because I loved. Basketball basketball I wanted to make my career and that evolved into what I am the role I'm in now because the love of basketball grew to just the love of education the love of, of of high schools and high school kids and and high school teachers and trying to help people be successful so you know it really it was it was that was it I mean I wanted to be a basketball coach that's why I went into education me too. Uh, the, the teaching was honestly I'm just being candid the teaching at that time was an afterthought um now I'm in a place where I, my my favorite instruction my, my favorite conversations are or how does how does the instructional process work and how is it how's it effective how do we make sure that a kid walks into a room not knowing something and walks out knowing it um I'm enthralled by that but that was not my motivation to get in it I wanted to coach ball period me too. And, and so your journey.
0: Let's go back to Coach A. V. You were at Incarnate Word High School.
1: Yes, sir. Um, and then Southwest. And then Southwest. Yeah, I had a I had a year off. Um, so in 2003, I got reassigned to uh, Oklahoma, which at Tinker that's where I retired out of. So I was the head coach at, at Incarnate Word from 1998 through the 2002-2003 um, season. And I'll never forget the phone call I got. You know, I had I had my daughter was was a really good basketball player and. I had a very successful AAU program, and, and um, I had just got back from one of those grueling weekend tournaments, and I get this phone call from a parent that I knew from Incarnate Word, and he's like, hey, Bill, uh, um, Jerry Gonzalez um, just resigned, and he took a, a job at Antonian. would you be interested maybe in talking to us about being the head girls basketball coach? And at the time, I that's how naive I was. I didn't realize at private school, you didn't have to be a teacher. You didn't have to be certified. It was like a part-time job. And so after they explained that to me, I said, sure. And so I remember showing up for the interview. I was in my military uniform. It was like on my lunch break. Um, drove over from Lackland, and bam, next thing you know, I got the job. And they were just five golden years. And, um, man, it was, it was that, that, that's still a very special place for me. Not as special as, as uh, Southwest ISD, but very, very special place for me Incarnate Carnot
0: And how many years at Southwest ISD did you coach?
1: Um, I this is my I just finished my seventeenth uh, year um, with the district, and I coached for fourteen. Gotcha.
2: Coach Bertel? Oh, you want like the the coaching resume? Yes, sir. Um. So started out first gig was middle school um and then it was at a small school district glenrose isd um and uh and but it was really good too because but in small schools they leverage their middle school coaches a lot more they have to it's a resource uh to work with the high school program and so if you got a straight up basketball guy in a middle school job you're going to use him and there were really good coaches there um guy by the name of Kenny Hoffpower, still coaching, he's got like a 1,000 wins or something ridiculous like that, uh, was the head coach at Glen Rose at the time. And uh, he, as soon as he realized I was a basketball guy, I mean, he, he'd have me scouting. He did, I, I, I can still remember to this day, and I, I cannot recommend this kind of stuff enough to coaches who are in this position. But we had gone to scout a playoff opponent in the time the Glen Rose team was ranked like second or third in the state. And we've gone to scout a playoff opponent. We showed up for a Saturday practice, and uh, we're talking to, you know, head coach about what we saw because this is pre-huddle, pre-all that stuff. We actually had to go work for information. No (laughs) offense to the youngsters today, Marcus. No, I I, I love love all.
0: I love scouting in person. I'd rather scout in person.
2: Yeah, there's a different feel to it. I'll just say that. There's a different feel to it. But, I mean, we were in a small school setting, so not only to do it, you had to drive an hour and a half one direction to get there. And so I go in, and and so he he said, you know, he starts running me – you know, Coach Alpar starts running me through a series of questions, and he's asking – he says, all right. He goes, the team's on the floor. Go tell them everything you told me. And so I went out there as a middle school coach and presented – you know, their best players and their tendencies and what they were going to do on defense. And I'm be he didn't right tell me, somebody's at my door. <laughs> he didn't tell me, he didn't tell me he was going to do that. He just said, go do it. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I was like, all right, here we go. Um, and so, and then there was also an assistant coach that was there by the name of Jeff McDorman, uh, who would become my, my biggest mentor in basketball. Jeff, um, Remember yes, sir. Okay. I know yeah. You. Yeah. So, so so, Jeff, uh, Jeff ended up leaving there and getting a head coaching job at Springtown High School, uh, went forth, and he, he, as soon as he had a varsity assistant position open, he he hired me. So, I got to go from Glen Rose to Springtown. Spent two really good years with, with Jeff. The, the basketball program had not been very successful. They'd been kind of an up-and-down classification school, um, and that's a tough place to be in. You know, you're not knowing whether you're going to be one of the biggest schools in one division or the smallest in the other, and they had moved up. Mm. At the time, Jeff and I were there, and uh, they had never won at that level, and we were able to, to get them on the right track. And then the year after I left, actually, I stayed for two years there. Um, the year after I left, they actually broke through and made the playoffs. It was the first time that they'd made the playoffs up at that higher division. Really good group of kids, uh, and Jeff was a, an important mentor to me. But, I, man, I was – So sure that I was just needed to be a head coach. I just needed to be a head coach so bad as a head coach, head coach, head coach. So I started applying for small school head coaching jobs, the kind of jobs I would look at a guy like me with, you know, just, you know, four years and a a couple of years of varsity assistant. And uh, so got hired down in Southeast Texas, Buna, B-U-N-A, Buna High School. Um, And a, a really good guy. By the name of Bradley Morgan, athletic director took a shot at on me, um, hired me, came in there. Uh, but it was one of those deals where, you know, you want something really, really bad. You you don't really you want to say yes so bad that you don't necessarily think everything through. The people at that community were fantastic. The kids were great, uh, but they really had reached a place where the kids at the time now they're not that way anymore. They they they're playing ball and, and they've hired a, a graduate there that's really doing good things. Um, uh, but anyway, the, the kids that I inherited, they just really weren't that into basketball. Great kids. A few of them were, but not very many of them. They were more football, baseball. And so what I felt like at the end of two years was um, they were frustrating me, but it wasn't their fault, and I was frustrating them, and it wasn't my fault. And so around that time, that's when uh, the opportunity came uh, for me to, to go to Southwest uh, Matt Elliott was the head football coach, athletic coordinator. Matt and I had worked together at Springtown. Uh, so I came in, took over a very healthy program, uh, very well run by Darren Casper had, that had been doing a lot of winning and had some players. Uh, and so, you know, was able to spend three years at Southwest. The, and I'll say this – I said this on and off record. I'll say it over and over again. I've, I've, the other places I've been in my career have been great – I've met great people everywhere, and everybody's added to my life. But the most fun I've ever had by far is the three years I was at Southwest High School as the head basketball coach and taught social studies. Just great people. We had players we could win, great assistants. I worked in the office there with Bill, um, you know, and we were winning in everything. This, you know, that was, you know, we were winning in football. We were winning in baseball, softball, volleyball, boys and girls basketball. We were winning in everything, and it was just a lot of fun. Uh, then I finished my coaching career trying to get closer to family because uh, a little bit we thought that would be a, a thing. So we end up, uh, end up at Sherman, which is, you know, due north of Dallas almost in Oklahoma. Spent two years there, had two really good years there. But at the end of that, that's when I realized I just, the itch to, the, to become a, a campus administrator was becoming strong. And so, you know, I always felt like once you reach that point where you're – if you're not all the way in being a coach because of the demands it makes on you, and you're feeling like you need to go another direction, then you've already answered your question. Yep. And so that's when I made the decision to, to make the move to admin.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a superintendent someday. Oh. I'll bet you anything, Marcus. Um, and, you know, he said something that I that – I, you know, he said that he inherited a very healthy program. Mm-hmm. And you talk about this goes to being the luckiest guy in the world That Incarnate Word program was extremely healthy. They had lost in the state championship game the previous year when I took it over. And when I took over the Southwest program, Joanne Fay, Dr. Fay, had a very healthy program, had great assistant, especially Adriana Beatrick, who we now know is at Highlands. Um, And so I was very fortunate, um, Ryan, uh, to take over two very healthy programs as well.
2: Well, and, and and yeah, it's a, it's a good point uh, that you brought up because the guy I followed at Sherman, uh, he recently moved into athletic administration at Allen after going to Austin a couple of times and when it, he could, Jeff McCullough could flat out coach, uh, right. and and so that both of those programs were very very healthy. Now, when I w- moved into Sherman, the they had really graduated a really strong class and headlined by a guy by the name of Cameron Clark, who, who would be the leading Scored at the University of Oklahoma the last two years he was there. Yeah. this a successful career in Europe. So, the talent level maybe had taken a little bit of depth, but that, but they were good kids, and, and we, we were able to win a few games uh, with them, including a district championship the second year I was there. Um, so, but, but man, I, I can tell you right now, both of the guys that, that the, the, my last two ups I followed were, were guys that could flat out coach basketball. Yeah.
0: And then going back to Coach, uh, to was it uh, McDorman? Yeah. Yeah, I got a chance to, to, to play against them a couple times. Uh, uh, they needed a game. They called me my first uh, couple years at McCollum, and so we scheduled a, a game at McCollum and a game in Wimberley, and he's, he was a great guy um, right before he's he a- retired.
2: Go ahead, Marcus. I'm sorry.
0: I was just saying, it was right be- at the end of his career, right before he retired.
2: Yeah, he's – Jeff McDorman is like one of the top five human beings I've ever known. Really? Um, I learned more about just how to be a man and <laughs> – and then function as a coach and a teacher in the professional environment in the right way be a coach in the coach's office be a teacher in the classroom how to be a husband how to be a father all that kind of stuff I mean he was a he was a mentor for me way beyond basketball and I I had this weird inkling his last year uh at at Wimberley and and by the way Jeff retired with a lot of wins The the other thing too is the guy's a obsessive worker so he retired in his Somehow figure out how to work two jobs. It's probably working about 70 hours a week. He'll work till the day he dies. But the, um, I had this weird feeling. He had a pretty good team, and they, they won the first round. I can't, I can't remember who they beat. Maybe, maybe won the first two rounds. And they ended up playing Bernie High in the third round. And they played at Smithson Valley. And I said, you know what? I think he's going to retire. Yeah. And so I, I went up. They played at Smithson Valley, and I watched him. And that ended up being the – I got to watch the last game he coached because right. he made the decision at the end of that season to retire. So that was pretty cool.
0: Pretty smart on your end to, to put that piece of the puzzle together and figure it out, so you can go watch that game.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's but that's that's Ryan. Ryan's Ryan's like that. Um he's he's a he's a great guy, human being too. I got to know Jeff a little bit through Ryan, and man, what a wonderful, wonderful man! Last time I saw him, he he came over to me like he went way out of his way to come say hi and ask how I was doing and. I was like, wow, I didn't even realize he would remember me. But, God, Jeff's really good people.
2: The only problem he has is he's that jerk that can you can eat with every meal during the season, and you can literally feel and see and hear yourself getting fatter. And he can just – he'll out eat you at every meal and just stay as skinny as a rail. <laughs> <I hate laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, what in the world, man? But yeah. it is what it is. That's his only flaw. You know, I, I didn't know him
0: well, but just, just my experience with him, he was, he was a great guy. And- and one interesting story about Wimberley, the first time we played them, they came to McCullum, And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, and so it was a little bit of a shock for some of the kids. You could yeah. tell them getting off the bus. But it, it was it – was, I mean, it was, it was a fun experience, and we shot the heck out of the ball. I think we shot – honestly, I think it was 20 for 30 from the three-point line. Um,
2: and, I don't know a lot about basketball, but yeah. what I do know, it says that if you go 20 for 30 from three, you're probably you probably you're win most them. of those games.
0: Yeah, we win the Most of those
2: games are wins, yeah.
0: And, and what was neat about it was uh, uh, about a week and a half later, I got a letter in the mail from a, a resident of Wimberley. That was just real nice, real uh, complimentary on our, on our program and the boys and, the, and, the, and just everything about it. And I thought, wow, I mean, the guy didn't know who I was. Took time out of his day to Google search the, the, the name and the, the address and, and write a letter, a handwritten letter. So I don't know, I, that always just kind of stuck in my mind. And I said, cool. and, and Jeff didn't write the letter, but I just always associate the two for some reason. Yep. So uh kind of talking about coaching trees a little bit, let's talk about yours. uh, you know, uh you, you named uh, Coach Riatric on your end and and uh you know, anybody else that, that, that you've worked with that that is now a head coach and doing great things in a profession?
1: Um Anissa Hastings is uh as good as it gets. Um, we hired her right out of college. Uh, had a great opportunity to coach her on my AAU in my AAU program, um, Fox Tech, then the Stevens, and now at Wagner. Um, and oh, by the way, if you haven't seen her, her daughter, La, she's something special. She's coming soon. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Henry, who's not no longer in the profession. He was a long time assistant for me for a long time, and then. He went up to uh, to Bastrop. did a did a terrific job um, up there. Um, had another coach in my word did, did a job. Anthony and um, let me see who else. Uh, Steve Bittison, He was a head coach. Came to me as an assistant. He got a, he got a, another head coach. Bounced around a little bit. Steve Steve had a truckload of wins. Um, who else? Oh, Nikki uh, Villarreal went to Smithson Valley. I mean, most of her time was at Warren though, with coach Mead. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but I've just been really blessed also to, to have wonderful assistant coaches, um, around me who, who just bent
2: over backwards for our kids and our program. I've always said Marcus that I, I'm certain I was a better assistant coach than a head coach, but the, um, Uh, I had unbelievable assistant coaches. Um, uh, So uh, Michael Holt uh, was the first assistant I had when I came to Southwest, and he's been a head coach now at a few different places out in Alabama and that in the South he he relocated out there uh, for family reasons and is doing well out there. Um, And then uh, was able to hire uh, Reggie Olandike and uh, hired him out of the Northside Middle Schools. Uh, really, you know, I feel like plucked a gem there. Uh, uh, I mean, he's another one of those guys like McDormand that eats whatever he wants. So, I don't know. He's – you don't trust him. He's a little more shady. But the uh, – but and then, you know, through that, Marcus, I, I – because Reggie and I were so close and still are, I mean, somehow I've I, – I guess against better judgment, I've hired him once again and he works for me at Stevens. Uh, but I claim his tree too, yourself included. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, I had Reggie, and Reggie was great. And then when I went up to Sherman, um, I had a whole slew of guys that were really good coaches. I mean, I had a whole team of them. Um, uh, Taylor Wilson's coaching up in Frisco. Last I heard Taylor was still an assistant, but I think it's just a matter of time for him for he's a head coach. And then uh, my first assistant, Chad Rochelle, has been the head coach at Hera High School in Oklahoma, uh, near Oklahoma City and has been to the state tournament a couple of times, and and Coach Brady Manick that plays for University of Oklahoma right now. Uh, Chad, just a, another, like, right up there with Jeff McDormand is just being a great human being. Yeah. But I had great I had great assistance all the way through, uh, guys that really, really um, did a lot to help support everything we did.
0: Oh, their assistance are, are so important, which is why I'm – I'm in the search right now, as we speak. You know, going through, uh, you know, people interested in. And in, in I remember uh, my time as an assistant and just how valuable they can be and and, and what they bring to the program. And so, uh, so I just my guy. I'm only six years in as a head coach. You know, so my my coaching tree is a little baby tree over here. And so, so my guy just got a head coaching job. So I'm super happy for him.
2: That's good. Hopefully, That's
0: awesome. my my branches can keep going like like you guys. <laughs> Coach Bertel, let's talk a little bit about how coaching has helped you uh, in the role that you serve now as principal.
2: Yeah, so, you know, there's there's a layer of responsibility um, that, that coaches take on um, that doesn't make them in and of themselves uh, any more qualified to be a campus administrator than a really good teacher, but the experience is valuable. Um, and so, and I will tell you too. And the, the three guys in this conversation know there's also too a big difference between the assistant's role and being a head coach too. Uh, but there's a lot of things you have to do. You have to deal with uh, management of parents, management of staff. You know, you're now you may only have one dude, depending on what school district you're at, but you got an assistant, and that assistant works for you. Uh, and so, if you you know, if I'm sitting over here, Ryan Patel, the social studies uh teacher, there's nobody in that building that works for me. Um, but if I have assistant or assistants, or like at the end when Sherman, when I was incredibly blessed, four, um, those are four people that I have to learn how to manage. And honestly, when you get down to the core of what it takes to be an administrator and what it takes to effective administrator and what it takes to be a, a campus principal, you know, like at Stevens, you know, got about 180 teachers alone, close to about 300 staff. It's, it's really about the ability to manage people. You have to deal with a lot more um, conflict. You have to be able to come through things with people. Uh, if you had that coaching experience where they may not like exactly the choices you're making and you've got to be able to to respond to them in a way that, that keeps them on board uh, um, and, and – and you have to have level of discipline with kids. that The African-File uh, teacher doesn't have the opportunity to experience that. Um, and so it, it just it gives you a whole nother level. You know, people thought, well, you had a budget to manage. Listen, let me tell you something. What it takes to manage a, a high school basketball program's budget is like comparing a two-story house to the Empire State Building compared to what a manager. It's, anybody with a brain can learn how to manage that kind of stuff. It's really way more about how to deal with people. You know, and there's a lot of PR when you're a coach. You got to have parent meetings and all of that kind of stuff approximates a lot of the skills that you're going to have to, you know, expand on uh, once you move into an administrative role. Uh, you you got to own the decisions. You got to you have to own the fact. Like as a teacher, you're never really perceived as the face of the of the world history uh, department. You become the face of something. You become the face of the you know boys basketball program. You know Marcus, you're the face of the boys basketball program at McCollum. Anything that happens there, whether it's the best player on the varsity team or the weakest player on the freshman team, ultimately comes back to you. And so, again, it doesn't make you – it doesn't make you necessarily more aligned to being a great administrator, but the experience definitely preps you for it.
0: Great words. Um, Coach Avey, I was there at the TABC clinic when you spoke. Oh, thanks. It was a pleasure to watch you speak, you know – you know, Coach Hurley was there that year. Coach Huggins. You know, you guys uh, speaking on the same stage. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about that experience and what it meant to you.
1: It was unbelievable. I can't remember the coach's name that was before me, um, but I, I made reference that he, I he he had lost 11 games in the last five years, and I lost 12 the previous year. <laughs> you know, um, and then you know, <laughs> shock smart Bob Hurley senior bob huggins you know and i'm sure people were looking at the thing going who in the hell is this guy <laughs> you know um but it was awesome so um i i had been blessed i've been blessed over my career i've coached uh five different two thousand plus scores in, in my career so the topic was developing scores and i just went through a bunch of the things that we did to to get kids um used to, to, to scoring the ball. And, um, and, uh, you know, so I was sitting with my back to the crowd. And then when I went up to hook up my laptop and I looked out, I went, wow. You know, there's a thousand people out there and over there's Bob Hurley. And in the back is Bob Huggins. And so I figured I'd just start off with, you know, with that kind of the joke, you know joking about it um and that helped ease the you know easy ease my uh nerves a little bit and then once i just started talking hoops i just started talking hoops and and um and uh i actually um ran into coach huggins later and he was like he's like you know he goes he goes you were fantastic and and i was just like wow and you know, and a lot of some of the drills that I was going over, I stole from Bob Hurley Sr., you know, maybe adapted them a little bit. And Coach Hurley came up and talked to me. And, um, you know, we talked, and I'm from the East Coast. And he said, Well, if you're ever that way and you want to come up and see what we do in the summer, and, and I just never had a chance to do it, um, it was, uh, it was, um, really a, a great day. And, um, I had over 300 coaches throughout the state that emailed me for the presentation and and the stuff. So, um, made old ball coach feel pretty good. Um, it was a lot of fun. And fortunately I've never had a big fear of public speaking. So that helped a lot too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was great. It was good. It was good. You had some good stuff. Uh, I remember when, when Huggins went up, he, uh, I I was sitting in the front row. I like to be attentive and pay attention. And so, um, he was drawing on the old school, uh, what is it, the projector with the with the with the yeah. marker, and I happened to be like right next to where the only place you could plug it in, and he needed to demonstrate something. I just remember, uh, so I stood up. He pulled me up, and I stood up, and he just was demonstrating. I forgot what it was, but he took his forearm and just put it right in my chest. Like I wasn't <laughs> ready for it, <laughs> and, uh, you know. I was a little sore the next day. No, I'm kidding.
2: But uh, well, at least he didn't put you on the treadmill. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> what they could say, Bill. Did didn't he have a name for that thing? He named it, or something. it. I forgot
0: what he yeah. said. He just said, "Go see so and so." But it was yeah, treadmill.
2: go see something. Yeah, I can't remember what he said. It was pretty funny. Forty-five seconds at at level
1: ten on the treadmill. He goes, "That'll take care of all your problems." <laughs> really uh, right, high school, I think Coach, the days are really. short coming
2: yeah. where you can do it in college. Let's yeah, I, I
1: agree with you on that too, uh, Ryan.
2: The different
0: world these days, I guess. Yep. And talking about uh Coach Hurley too, there's another thing that was funny to me was you had a great presentation, slideshow, and, and he had all of his notes on paper and he was saying, I got a lot of great stuff here. I just don't know how to get it to you guys. So um I might have to go and ask someone how to get everything from this sheet of paper to to this computer and then and then I can email everybody. Real <laughs> 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 old school about it.
1: Yeah. That's Coach Huggins, man.
0: All right, guys. Best basketball game that you've ever been a part of as a coach? Mm. Thinking back in your career.
1: Is there any chance I could say two?
2: You can say as many as you want. You have to charge him. If he hits two, it's like a $5 fee or something. $5 fee? I'll pay it. Believe,
1: Believe it or not, one of them was an AAU game. So, back in the day when I was coaching AAU, the tournament, on the girls' side anyway, in Texas, was the Whataburger Classic at A&M. And it was always around the 4th of July. I had taken teams up there in the past, and, you know, like we might get out of pool play. And I think one year we finished in the Sweet 16. Well, my last year, I was loaded. I had – I mean, it was the easiest team I ever coached. I had every high school's best player or players on my team. Um, Anissa Hastings, um, Eva Christian, my daughter Nicole Brantley, um, uh, Rachel Ross. I mean, you, I just every kid that was on my roster had a college scholarship somewhere, either from, from NAIA all the way to NCAA Division One. And we were playing Team Texas in the uh, semis, and they had uh, they had uh, Nikki Newton who went to TCU. They had Heather Schreiber. They had – every one of their kids had signed, but they had a bunch of Big 12, you know, Division One signees. And uh, we ended up winning that game 107-104 in uh, regulation. And, and, and I just remember I just sat there and it was just like I, – I was like, wow, I've never seen this many – uh, basketball players of that caliber on the floor at one time it helped that we won too um, yeah. but uh, uh Anissa Anisa Hastings was absolutely a beast in that game and and Eva Christian who too many times when people talk about all-time greats in San Antonio they don't mention Eva enough Eva was ridiculous and then of course there was the Del Rio game um I don't know if you were still there or not were you still there Ryan um On the road? No, the one at our place where Jazz hit the half-court shot.
2: No, that was after I left, I think.
1: So, uh, it was us and Del Rio. We were the best two teams. We both were really good. We went down there, and they they whooped us. They beat us about 15, and um, they played great. We didn't play great, and they were ready, and we weren't. But then a funny thing happened. Laredo United upset them. So, when they came to our place – It was basically going to be, it was the last game of the district schedule, winner takeoff for district title. And um, Shauna Holmes (laughs) was sitting on my bench um, in a boot um, with cast, with a cast, I mean, in a boot with crutches. She had a real bad ankle sprain. She couldn't play. And game goes to double overtime. And then Shatavia Boomfudge fouls out about 45 seconds in and then they just slowly start creeping on us. So it gets to 21 seconds left in the game. We're down six. And I am on the sideline, and I am just nuts. You know, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, hey, Bill, stop lying to these girls. This game is over. Yeah. So we get the ball. My little sophomore point guard, I just decide we're not going to shoot three. I said, just go score. And they let her score call our last time out, and uh, ran through some the scenarios and this, that, and the other. They inbound the ball. Del Rio's point guard, who was just fabulous, she takes about two dribbles and dribbles the ball off of her foot. Right? Ball rolls to me. Jazz looking at me, and I'm like, just go score. Just go score. So, Jazz goes again. She gets fouled. Right? I look up at the clock, there's 4.5 seconds left. So if they had just let her score, they wouldn't have had to inbound the ball and we would have lost by two. So Jazz goes up, knocks down two shots. We foul right away. Their girl goes up two, 2.1 seconds, I think. Their girl goes up and uh, misses both free throws. The second one comes off long, quick outlet to, to my Jazz, my point guard. She goes bounce, bounce, launches it from. Not our side, but the 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 other side of the of the jump ball circle.
0: Yeah.
1: And you the the, the Del Rio girls, they're underneath our basket and they're they're like, ah, you know, and that ball banked in and we win by one. I, I, it was like the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life. That one was pretty special too.
0: Isn't it isn't it pretty crazy how like sometimes in situations where you look up and you're like, you know, you're telling your team, "Hey, we got to do these things, even though you know it's it's slim to none that you have a good shot of winning." Things have to happen in your favor uh, on more uh, more situations than not, like the girl dribbling off her foot, yeah, free throws. You know, everything make, has to line up, but when it does, you know, those are some great memories.
1: Yeah, it does, and and the other thing is, is you don't ever want your team to think you've given up on the game. Now, obviously, you're getting beat by 30. <laughs> you know. But, you know, you you don't ever want your players to think that you're not desperately trying to find a way to win that game. And, man, it was unbelievable,
2: that game.
0: What about you, Coach Patel?
2: Uh As much as I want to say that there's – it's a hard um, thing to say, that would be dishonest. Um, it's a pretty clear-cut, cut-and-dried one for me. As much as I value a lot of other wins that I had, uh, Bill was there uh, – and that was my second year at Southwest. We were – had a good enough team to get to the regional tournament and uh, played uh, a really good Judson team in the regional semifinals. Um, and uh, – but it, it, it really, like it, – it was one of those kind of things where as you – all the ingredients going into the game, as you looked at it, like you knew it was a perfect setup for us to beat them. They were the best team in the region. Um, they and Wagner had plowed through – you know, Judson had beat Wagner both times that year in really good games, and then both of them had just plowed through the playoffs. Wagner had a couple of future NBA players um, on their team. And, and so it was – everything about it was perfect. One, we had – what would happen to – Bill will attest to this during that time with the way alignment was, we would play – we'd be a San Antonio school pre-district, right? We're playing all San Antonio schools, we in tournaments. And then we would just disappear and go dark and just go south. Yeah. And the the bus trips were exhausting, right. uh, you know, two two hours every time you got to go somewhere. But like we would pass out of the consciousness of um, of what was happening in San Antonio basketball for a long period of time, and then we'd go in the playoffs and we went south. We're not even you know uh, even you know doing that kind of stuff where people are watching what we're doing. And what happened was is is I was I had had three really good players um, that were straight up basketball players. And then what we had kind of worked into a rotation was that I'd put a couple of football players with them uh, that were just athletes, and they would go really guard you. Um, They would just get after you. And so it just turned into this – all the pieces fit together, and it took longer in the year for a chemistry to start. In fact, we didn't have the starting lineup set until the second half of district. Well, by this point, we're an afterthought in San Antonio – so, Mike Wacker's at, at Judson, one of the best coaches ever coached in San Antonio, period, a Hall of Famer. But he's not worried about Southwest. So, in the meantime, they're both plowing through their playoff. Boom, 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 boom. And over at Wagner, you know, his Mike's son is dominant, and they had a couple of guards that could flat out go. And uh, And then on the other side, you could feel the weight of Wagner coming. Like, you could see it, like. Wait a minute! These guys are getting better and better and better. And Jordan Clarkson scored another thirty points, and Andre Robertson had another thirty rebounds. And and so you could see their eye being drawn, right? Like they had two battles in district, so they're not even looking at us. And you know, Mike and his staff is like, you got to take them seriously. You got to take them seriously. You got to take them seriously. But they don't have good scouting report on us. They don't know that in the meantime, Reggie Olindike, who was way better at player development than me, had taught those two football kids how to shoot. And they, 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 you know, Kendrick Robinson was such a, a tremendous scorer of the basketball. They gross and he was—he's one of the best scorers to ever play basketball in San Antonio. Period. Uh, but they grossly underestimated Ray Festrano. Uh Both ends of the 4 and effort, Ray is the best player, high school player I ever coached. And so you could tell that because we kind of gone dark. The scouting report when they went into the game was we just we just got to stop Robinson. If we stop him, that's the only, you know the only way he's going to beat us is if he has one of those games where he goes off for forty, yeah. and that's not who we were. Yeah. So you know you know like heck, Mike and his staff is like we got you know it, we got to be focused on this game, but the kids are looking across the gym. Wagner blows out. Um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to reach one of the valley schools. They blew out in the in the game before us. Of course, we're all in there watching them, and you can see the Judson kids talking about the game. Oh, so they're that all in
0: the same gym, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, they're all in UTSA, and so you know the coaches are trying to get them to focus on us. But what ended up happening was you could tell the defensive game plan was like we're going to double we're going to double Robinson to get the ball out of his hand, and it was pretty it was really evident by the time we got to halftime that wasn't going to work. Yeah. So, but halftime we were up, I think eight or nine at half, and uh, so uh, another one of the assistants on the staff. <laughs> Bill knows why I'm already laughing. I know, exactly. Another one of the assistants on the staff, a, a great guy and a great friend. Um, Rob Thomas, Rob. still coaching. Yeah. Uh, Rob was – Rob's always the gadget guy. Like, he's the guy that would, like, coach a freshman team and realize that he would somehow turn the offense into nothing but, like, 30 sets. And they, would all, and they would all be super gimmicky, like where somebody rolls off something and dives or whatever. And so what Rob would do – and I hate to out Rob for those guys that still coach against him at the sub-varsity level. But Rob would do the misdirection play coming out of halftime every game that he could. Yeah. So anytime that his team had the ball coming out of half, he'd go ask the official and then he would go and he would have his players go stand on the wrong end of the court and see if the other players would go stand by and, and he decided. had been on me all year. He had been all, so this is where you have to make square of the moment decision making. Hmm. And I'm being I'm being straight up with you right here, okay? This is straight up on it. So, so this is where you got to make strict spur-of-the-moment decision. So he'd been on me all year. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. District game, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Nah, no, Rob, we're not doing that. No. So then I started telling him, well, we'll wait till it's a big game. But I was really just saying that to pacify him, to shut him up. That's why I was saying it. Like, I'm not running that. And then all of a sudden, like, all the stars in the universe come together, and he makes a beat. We go to halftime, like, up eight or nine or whatever. And he makes the beeline to the scores table to ask whose ball it is coming out of half. And he goes straight to me with the most intense look I've ever seen in his face. It's our ball. And I just looked at him. And then right now, I didn't make the decision until right then. I said, go draw it up. <laughs> and so he goes in there. And so, you know, we talk about adjustments and what we're going to do. And, and he goes in and draws it up. And we go out there. And, and he tells one of the, the, the referees, hey, look, we're going to fix the run a little something here. So y'all don't need to be coaching. Y'all are referees. And their credit, that crew. I believe they were out of Fort Worth. They did kept their mouth shut. One of the referees even whispers to me. He goes, "Oh my gosh, it's going to work." And so what they had done is they doubled Kendrick. And so he hadn't scored much. Now Ray had scored on him, and and Mark Hall and Paris Johnson had hit threes, and 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 Justin Alexander had got some good uh, putbacks and stuff in the lane. But Kendrick had only had like four points. Well, sure enough, they go for it, and we inbound the ball to Kendrick. The Mike's son was so dang smart. He was such a good player that the last minute. He saw it and sprinted down there. So Kendrick had to take a little bit of a – about a 10-foot bank shot. But for that kid, that was like a layup. Yeah. And then he ends up scoring like 14 that quarter, that quarter because – Got him going. Uh, yeah, we got him going. And then on top of that, um, they couldn't double him anymore. So the game plan was to double him. So they tried to single guard him, but they hadn't repped it. Yeah. So he starts lift, lifting up and making threes over the top of people. And so it was a great game. They came back and almost got it at the end. But – Got that win and got an opportunity to get our butts kicked by Wagner the next day. So,
1: yeah, uh, that was. I, I was sitting at the game with uh, Joanne, with Dr. Fay, and um, James Sullivan, our, one of our board members who's all about athletics. Yeah,
2: he
1: is. And I saw you guys come out and I went, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they were like, What? I said, Don't you see what's going on here? What basket are we supposed to be going to? And then, Joanne was like, "And then she's like, that worked. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. I I've told Ryan many times the just the guts oh my to God. do that at the regional tournament in that game. But he was so right; it got Kendrick going. And, and the other thing was, was, we were just playing Big a little bit of a chip, but like like a little bit of a chip um, and we don't have anything to lose and we can beat you guys. Yeah. Um, and they did. It was, it was a remarkable game.
2: And where we were as a team, like for us to be either of those teams, we were going to have to have a normal game plan cycle. We were going to have to be able to have a couple of practices, look at film, talk specifics. That's what those kids needed. That what we had developed defensively is a really tailored plan where we just guarded every every team we played a little different based on on what they could do. And so I knew we were – it wasn't a good matchup. Like like Judson was a good matchup, but Wagner with them running waves of players and really pressed us when we weren't very deep at guard was going to be tough. But I felt like if we had if, – if we had that one that – semifinal game, if we had a chance to really game plan the way our kids had gotten used to and put in a defensive game plan. The other thing I did that I did that was completely uh, off the charts, I never did anything else like it, but we had scouted them so much. And had so much film on them, and I'd never seen their point guard. He's a really solid player, but I'd never seen their point guard take anything but a layup. He'd taken one three in a game against East Central, and he, and it didn't look good. Yeah. And so, and and because I, you know, I had Kendrick out here, they wanted to score but didn't really want to guard anybody. Um, what we did was, I told him, I said, "Look, you're going to mirror that guy, and you're going to have one foot in the paint." The whole it looked like look looked like somebody playing little dribblers basketball, but it disrupted their whole offense in the first half because because he's trying to – Mike's trying to run his offense largely through his son, and you got one guard just standing in the paint. Yeah. And the poor kid the point guard, I felt bad because, it like, it's almost like calling him out. He finally tried one three. It looked terrible. It, it had no be. chance. Kind of there like a,
0: they guard Ben Simmons these days. <laughs> Do what? Like the way they guard Ben Simmons these yeah. days. Yeah, correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there was a moment in the second half of that game where we had a uh, – Pastrano had a penetration, and he kicked it out to Mark Hall, one of those two kids that played football. Yeah. And they're, one of their kids covered out, and Mark shot a three over the top of him, and they fouled him, and he made a four-point play. And I'll never forget, turning around towards the bench, and Matt Elliott, who was the athletic director, was standing because Matt was such a nervous person. And he, would like, was so invested in that game. Like, he just needed us to win. And uh, he jumped and almost landed on top of the chairs on our bench when that ball went in. It was just <laughs> like – it's still grained in my mind. That was. Like, what was are you, I was like, what are you doing, crazy man? You're going to land on somebody.
1: And, and that was such a huge shot because the momentum was changing. Yeah, it, was. Was, it, was, it wasn't a big run, but they were inching, inching yeah, back they in. They were toward, chipping away. And then, boom, a four-point play opened it back up to about eight. Yeah. Not, probably, Ryan, eight, nine. Yeah, um, it was right
2: towards the beginning of the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, it was, it was something special. From
0: one of the kids, like you said, that, that wasn't a great shooter early on in the year, uh, but that
2: player development was, was huge. For sure. You know, and uh, you go back to talking about Reggie, which, you know, I mean, I think everybody in this uh, meeting knows that when Reggie hung up his shoes, he was one of the best basketball coaches. You can make a heck of an argument that he was the best boys basketball coach in the city, although there's a lot of really talented coaches around. But the one thing I'll tell you when you start working with your staff, if you have the ability to hire complimentary people, you don't always have that because you've got to have – got pain in the butt principles like me telling you what teaching field you got and all this kind of stuff like that. Finding complementary pieces, you know, what I was decent at was the ability to take the players I had, figure out how to put them together in a way that gives us the best chance to be successful, and then game plan opponents. But Reggie was so much better a player development guy than me. And, you know, when I hired him, I knew it. Um, And then the more that we worked together, the more I just, you know, started giving him practice sessions to go work with guards on things based on deficiency. And and the more I mean, I would sit literally like there was times in the second half of district I would send Reggie with just those two guys. Yeah. So we we would do stuff with everybody else, and he would just have those two guys working on angles and getting their hips right, hands right, all that kind of stuff because they were good athletes. They just hadn't got the reps uh, shooting the basketball. But those two players combined for eight threes that game. Oh wow! Now they were wide open, except for the one that Mark got fouled on. Yeah. They were they were the kind of threes you give a guy if you think they can't make. Them.
0: Yeah. And that's how you know that that was the game plan, and it was scouted that way. And yes, sir, kept giving it to him. You know, going back to Reggie, uh, I mean, I credit so much to uh, to him, and and what I've learned as a coach. Um, you're right. I mean, he was a heck of a a player development kind of guy, and and what I learned too was he wasn't afraid to try something and be wrong. You know, like in practice, he'd say, "Let's let's give us a look. Um, I think it'd be really good. Um, we're gonna work on these things," and then um, at the end of it, is you know, Marcus. Nah, I, I don't think it's gonna be good for us. So let's 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 re re uh, rethink that. You know, so he wasn't afraid to to uh, to try something that he wasn't sure of, um, and 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 sometimes it would work. Like when we had uh, Burns, you know, let's let's try working these things with him. We we never had a player like Jordan before, right? And um and and some things didn't work, and 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 obviously he ended up finding the things that did, and they had that heck of a run, um but he wasn't afraid to put himself out there. And, and, he didn't always, you know, some guy don't, he didn't always act like he knew everything. He was willing to get something to try. Right. So, uh, so we got a uh, YouTube guys work together for a few years on the, on the boys side and the girl side. Uh, just talk a little bit about some of the things that you guys did to make that uh, relationship uh, work well and in and, and harmony.
2: Well, I'll speak to that first bill, if you don't mind the, um, um, So when I came in uh, to Southwest, um, you know, I'm coming in really quite frankly as an outsider. Um, I was not from San Antonio. I had no real connection to Southwest. And, you know, I come in there and um, one of the first, you know, few days I'm on campus and walking around, Bill's on campus. And so I get introduced to him. And the first thing he says is say, hey, coach, I need to ask your permission on something. I'm okay. Uh, You know, what would you ask my permission for? He said, so the girls locker room layout is not functional for a male coach and uh, coach Casper, the previous head coach had worked with me to let me office out of y'all's office. Um, And uh, but you know, it's still your office, you know, I mean, if you want me out of there, I'll go over to the girl's side. Um, But it just works a lot better because it's, you know, still right by the gym and, and, and that way I don't have to worry about constantly trying to be careful and protect the privacy of my, of my players as I come and go. And um, of course, for me, that's a no brainer. And I think what, what's at the core of that um, for both of us is so like, like, like true respect is something that you develop over a course of relationship, but there's a fundamental baseline respect that if you, both people start the relationship with, it's probably going to work. Um, I just, Viewed Bill and quite frankly, all all the other basketball coaches, the ones that I coached against, everything else, as being the guys in the world that understood my job Mm -hmm. and knew what I was going through. And so I think from the very beginning, even though I wasn't a Southwest guy at that time and I wasn't even a San Antonio guy, uh, Bill welcomed me from the very beginning. And I was just appreciative to have uh, somebody that could talk ball and was also welcoming of me. And so, you know. So, because that, like, you, here's the deal. Like, there's a lot of you. Can, you've seen bad relationships between boys, uh, boys and girls basketball coaches. You share facilities. That, that's a built-in opportunity to to bicker. It's hard to bicker with somebody who's demonstrated that they really care about you. The way Bill demonstrated he cared about me, and understands what you go through. When you have that mutual understanding, you're like, you know what? I really want to do X, but I get it. Fair is is this? Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna flex and work with you. And honestly. I remember a single time where you and I ever had a even a second of a conversation about what Jim or whatever. We just it never was an issue. It never
1: was. It, it was it was really um special and um and and what I found is is Ryan and I both have very similar personalities. We we're going to respect everybody first. And then out of that that respect came a a lifelong friendship. I mean every once in a while um we'll still call each other or text each other. And, and, you know, uh, we, you know, we had, we don't see each other as we used to, obviously when we worked in the same building. Um, but those are special years and, and Reggie was there and, and it was, it was special years and we got really good before he left. But like my first year there, we were kind of rebuilding, but you know, we won a playoff game that year. We got to the playoffs, won a playoff game. Um, and it was really special for me, to sit there and watch the work they were putting in and then for them to get to a regional tournament, um, it was great. And, 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 and when I say this, I'm not bragging in any way, shape, or form, but most of the years when I was at Southwest, our boys program was eh, sometimes not very good, sometimes average. Um, and uh, we were always usually pretty good. Um, and it was just really cool having both programs so good and then like i say ryan ryan and i we we've had late night till four o'clock in the morning conversations about life not just about b- basketball and um i used i, I still tell people all, all the time the, the 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 smartest man i've ever known is ryan oh. Oh, gosh. he is so smart he's ridiculous and um, it was just a special time, and and he he's a special friend, and I really really value the relationship more than I
2: can articulate. Same, absolutely, couldn't say it better. Just to add to that,
0: uh, um, Reggie also claims you as the smartest human being on the planet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill and Reggie need to get out more. That's all I can say. <laughs>
1: Right, guys, I to um, tell impactful. Ryan all the time. I'm a really smart guy, but I'm not, I'm not as smart as you.
0: Well, I have met a lot of smart people, right? Uh, and, and I'm sure uh, you have, and Reggie has. But but you both claim uh, Ryan Portello to be the smartest. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with that too. <laughs> you uh, you've been in the business for a long time. You know, education and coaching. Uh, so just talk about some impactful moments and moments that you've had in your career. Hmm. Well, where you realize you know this is more than the job, this is a, you know, relationships and life kind of thing.:
2: You know, um, I, I I tend to, I tend to snap to, to coaching moments on that more than anything. Um, and uh, I will tell you that uh, you know God was good to me in the sense that um, I was looking for a job um With a chance to to have some success and to find some kids that were into winning in basketball as much as I was when I came to Southwest, but what was the very best thing uh was to to put me in the middle of a community that was very different than me um, that was way more ethnically diverse culturally diverse um, than what I had been exposed to um not that I, you know that I was not, not in, with no diversity prior to that, but, you know, going to the, to the south side of San Antonio when you've lived mostly in Fort Worth and Dallas area uh, is, is definitely a different scenario. And to go into that situation, and this is why I say God was good to me, because you start working with kids that don't all come from the best background, that, that have some hurdles at home um, that you're not familiar working with, is the eye-opening experience that every educator, regardless of your job, if you ain't if you haven't done it, you need to do it. Um, because uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I fell in love with those kids. Absolutely loved them, and had to learn how to work with them. Had to learn to move past uh, feeling sorry for what's going on with them, and then help coach them to try to help them overcome the things that are happening in their lives. Uh, you know, it was one of the hardest lessons I've ever learned. Was like feeling bad for what's happening to a kid or what he's going through doesn't help the kid, you know, you gotta, you gotta help them break a whatever cycle of negativity that's in their life. Uh, and so, you know, I just felt, and, and that wasn't just the kids in, in, in basketball, that was the kids in the classroom. Um, and so the irony now is, is that, as I said, as a campus principal, um, I have openly pursued uh, opportunities to be in a role that the exact job I'm in, where I've been in a community where, where, You know the poverty rate is significant, and kids do have something, and that's a big part of my why and what I do. But yet, until I walked in the door at Southwest, my exposure to that, my eyes were open. I'm going to to put to you that that Uh, to experience that and to see it, and and now it's driven my career to the place where it's at, where the you know one of my biggest things that I do is to try to break the cycle of generational poverty. Anything that we can do as a campus and as a system to help break that cycle, that's a, a big driving force and it started from coaching and quite frankly it was at southwest
1: um for me um coach um on the basketball side every year it just floored me how many of our girls came from uh, single parent homes and i was not ever trying to be their father but it was my responsibility to be a positive male role model for them um so that was that was an ongoing every year um, thing that that really meant a lot to me and the the players that still keep in touch with me and invite invited you know invite me to weddings and baptismals of their kids um that that kind of makes me think that maybe I did something right there um, the other thing um, for me like like coach said i you know, I got into this thing to coach basketball, um, but I became a pretty good teacher too. And um, they put me in with the senior testers, so I did it for a decade. And I never had one kid not pass the the test. And this was long before Senate Bill One Forty Nine. Kids graduate. had to pass the test, they didn't graduate. And the challenges of that the relationships that were formed, the the joy of these kids when they
2: would pass that test and they would learn they're going to graduate, priceless. You know, actually, I you know, Bill's a heck of a better teacher than I am, and that's not false humility. In fact, now that I've really developed a, a pretty robust instructional philosophy, I, I have this weird fantasy of going back and teaching in the classroom and, and <laughs> doing it now. Uh, but Bill was a much better teacher than I was. And that's just a fact. Um, however, thank I do remember,
1: that, thank you.
2: Yeah, no, he was. Um, but the, um, that's principal Patel, principal Patel evaluating teacher AV and teacher Patel. AV okay. is the better teacher. So anyway, um, the, uh, but I do remember something similar to that. I remember the first year cause I was teaching us history at, 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 um, at Southwest during that same era where you either passed them all or you didn't graduate. And watching those kids – you know, we already got their test results, but they didn't know we had them, you know. Mm-hmm. And watching them, like, be tardy to class to come by the classroom and say, Coach, I passed, you know. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Pretend like I didn't know, you know. And, and that's, that's pretty special.
1: I had, I had a, a girl and was um, an ELL student. Um, she was dyslexic, and she worked so hard – and that day that those scores came in, and I was upset because the counselors needed to let me tell those kids. And after this year, that changed. I was standing up teaching the class, and the door flings open, right? And comes in like uh, Kramer on Seinfeld. <laughs> and she goes, Coach, Coach, I passed! on oh, I mean, she was so excited. I mean, it's, it, you know – it's just stuff like that that you can't you, – you, you, there's no monetary number you can put on it. Um, it's all about helping kids. And one of the APs I work with right now, he's a Southwest product, went to Indian Creek, went to McAuliffe, graduated from Southwest High School. And he has a saying, he's like, our kids want to be great – they just need somebody to be their champion, yeah. and um, and I and I just love the way that he says that, and um, and so our Southwest, ISD kids, they're just great kids, and they want to be successful, and um, you know people like Ryan, hopefully like myself and many others, hopefully we've we've uh, been able to help 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 those kids. Sure. So you
0: guys have been out of coaching for a little bit. Um, before we call this one a day, just tell me a little bit about what you miss the most about coaching. Um,
2: I would say there's nothing quite like the 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 team competitive dynamic, and that involves your coach, yourself, your your assistants, and your players. Mm-hmm. What happens when you get that that collection of human beings and we're all, you know, really nuanced and really different and <laughs> have our different perspectives on things, but to get a group of about, you know, 15 people to work together over a, you know, if you focus just on the season, over a four-month period towards one goal, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing really like that. Um, there's a lot of things that, that I do in my role as a principal now that, that are similar to that. um, But not at that level of the personal level that you develop with a team. It's just the camaraderie. It's as much, and it's all of it. like, well, you know, people talk about, well, you missed the, the, the coach's office or you missed this out of the other. It's all of it. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the serious game planning conversations and it's the joking around. It's, you know, it's the, the hard practices where the, you know, the kids are not, you know their their focus is not where you want it and you got to push them and then it's the you know it's the bus ride um it's all that stuff um it's just that general group dynamic camaraderie um that that you you still miss now the 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 the, my focus now is not not the same Uh, not something that i would that i'm gonna go back to I'm, i'm my my direction has changed but I still remember, and what's funny is you go to all three of the high schools I've worked at: Warren High School, O'Connor High School, and now Stevens. And the coaches on the coaches' staff will say from time to time, Pertel pops in, and within five seconds you can't tell whether he's an administrator or a coach. Um, I was joking around. We just we just uh, hired a new defensive coordinator. Actually, I promoted a guy on our our staff, and uh, I was walking around, and the, some of our coaches were on campus for strength and condition, walking with a mask on, and. And they happened to be standing there, and, and I, the head coach is standing there, and the defense coordinator said, and I said, hey, Coach Landeros, hey, just to let you know, I don't know if they told you, but uh, one of the things is is when we play football, they need to have a, be sending two guys every down. Like we're blitzing from somewhere all the time. You know And I'm telling them? Like I want the, I want the safety walking down, coming through the A guy. That's what I want. And the head coach is shaking his head like, no, I'm like, I'm sorry. We're, hey, I, I want all the plays to be – Either a blow em up in the backfield sack fumble or a touchdown. Yeah. You know, and so you just you snap back into that stuff because it's in you, and I'll always you sound like Brady, be coach. You sound like Brady Conger now. Oh yeah, that's right. That's that was actually Brady's defense, but the uh, um, very successful at it, at that matter. But the uh, um, no, but uh, uh, that's in you, and it's never out of you. You know that that camaraderie that you get.
1: The number one thing for me is the camaraderie. Um that the coach was referring to, um, and what I miss the most is practice is is practice. I got there the last couple of years of my of of my before I stopped I, the games were it, it just you know, there's only so many times you can get on a bus drive two and a half hours to play a game, get some free pizza and come home. The games were get really grinding. What I really miss is practice. I miss teaching the game, teaching the life lessons that go with playing the game and playing the game properly um but the camaraderie is 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 still there so people ask me all the time do I miss it every day I miss it every day I don't I don't know I don't know that I'm ready to go back to it right now Uh, I know my family probably isn't ready for me to go back to it um but you know we'll see we'll see where I go in a few years when I retire and um I could see myself if I get opportunity maybe to go to a private school or something, maybe someday getting back in the game or doing some training or working with an AAU program. Um, That's just how uh, much of a fanatic of coaching
2: basketball I am. Hey, Marcus, I was thinking about something as we got ready to go into this that um, I think a lot of people that especially are in the coaching ranks that would, if you got a a person who's a 6A high school principal sitting in the meeting with maybe want to hear about, but I'm going to set myself up for that, if you don't mind, Uh, because I I get asked it a lot. Um, And that is, you know, what do you look for now that you're in a position where you're the final say on who's going to be a a head boys, head girls basketball coach, or or any other sport? What is it that you look for? Um, And there's so many different things, right? Um, But the biggest thing that I would say to encourage uh, coaches, young coaches trying to be – Move from the assistant role to the head coaching position, or guys that have got a head coaching job but but need a better one because the one they're at's really not going to give them a good opportunity to compete. Um, is what they got to understand is when you when you think about yourself in relation to position and you have any kind of confidence in yourself, you tend to be real focused, self focused. I know I was. And if you have any kind of confidence, you believe you can go do it. On the other side of that, what I can tell you is thoughtful people spend most of their time thinking about fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is there's a lots of guys that can coach, but not everybody is the right fit for every school, and that can change over time. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I was the right fit for Southwest High School when I came in there. I don't know that I would have been the right fit for Southwest High School six years later. Yeah. Um, and so I think fit's a big part of it. So you guys that are out there, you guys and, and, and gals out there that are trying to push through, if you're not getting jobs, just keep working hard. Yeah. You're going to find the right fit. And the worst thing to do is to push yourself into the wrong fit because you're going to end up with uh, a bad situation. You're going to be unhappy. People are going to be unhappy. Um, and so don't do that. And to that point, this is where I was told you I was kind of setting it up. There probably has not been a better fit hire in San Antonio basketball, in my memory, than your hired in McCollum. and And I know that the people in your community know this, but I'm going to say it anyway and they can listen, and if anyone's out there that don't disagree with you, they can come talk to me about it. Um, But but you're incredibly rare. So most people um, that want to be head coaches are kind of coaching mercenaries to a degree. I was – Bill was when he came to Southwest, then then Southwest got in his blood and he didn't leave. But we were all looking for the right opportunity. Uh, I don't know of many people that follow your path, Marcus, and there's a reason why people are so drawn to your love of the game. To have the opportunity to hire a guy who grew up in a community and in that community fell in love with a sport, it's just just a game. I mean, right? Like it's just a game. But you fell in love with it there, and then you set yourself on a path and a pattern to qualify yourself to come back and knowing from day one that that was your dream job, that you weren't talking about how you could go try to get a job at this part of the other side of the city or the other part of the state, that you wanted to go back to the community where you were from and then make the kids that grow up in the subsequent generations love basketball the way that you love basketball in the McCullum community. If I'm the principal of McCollum High School, if I'm the superintendent of Harlan ISD, if I'm the AD, you are worth your weight in gold, sir, because that does not grow on trees. There's a lot of guys out there that if they came to McCullum and won a lot, they'd be looking for the next opportunity. And I'm not blaming them. That's not a judgment. I did that. So to have somebody to say, I am straight up, ride or die, McCollum, we're going to go and make this be the best we can be. And when we, we're up, we're going to be up. And if we get a little bit down, we're going to get down. Dude, I'm just, and that's a principle talking. That ain't, that ain't, it's not somebody that knows you as friends is biased. That's, I'm telling you, that's a principle talking. I can't, I hope they realize what they got. I'm sure they do. Here, but I hope here. they realize what they got.
1: Hear, here, Ryan. I, 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 every word you said, I echo wholeheartedly. Um, Marcus is just a special special guy man. I mean he if they don't know what they have, I'm sure they do.
2: Yeah, I'm sure they do.
1: I mean, the work you do in that community, that alumni game you put on, I mean, it's just you are so ingrained in that community and um and God bless you for it. And uh, and believe me when I tell you, unless you're playing uh, you know, legacy high school right now, I'm rooting for you in pretty much every game.
2: So, Same.
0: Well, we are now district opponents, so it's going to happen.
2: Got <laughs> to be a little less friendly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guys, that, that means the world to me, especially coming from you two guys, and, and, and I respect everything you say and everything that you've done in your careers. And, and so your word uh, is gold to me as well. So I, I, I genuinely appreciate what you just said. I, I'm pretty speechless right now, so thank you. <laughs> very much. And, and just to, to top it off, I appreciate you guys taking the time I think it's been about an hour, 15, an hour
1: and a half almost. Um, but it was fun. It didn't feel like an hour. just. No, it, it was great seeing you guys again. And um, especially Ryan, I don't, I, I don't hardly ever see him anymore. And, and um, it, it was awesome. Thank you, Marcus, for setting us up. Yes, sir.
2: Absolutely. Same, Marcus.
0: Yes, sir. You guys stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, be careful out there. And uh, if there's anything I can do for you guys, even if it's not basketball related, just let me know.
1: Absolutely. Like- Likewise, sir.
0: Thank you. You guys have a good day.
1: All right. (laughs) Later.